All right, man. When we were coming up with this show, you texted me something you thought would be pretty darn fun. So why don't you let the, the people at home know what's on your mind? Well, Pat, I know that we've had several shows where people have asked us questions about doing fitness in places that didn't have a full gym. I'm going on mm -hmm. vacation. I'm going to be around people that aren't as fitness minded. What can I do? Things like that. And, and I know we've weighed in on this topic a few times. So I thought it might be fun to give some examples of when you and I have had to do that ourselves. And both of us have had the good fortune of uh, traveling extensively for oh, yeah. CrossFit at times and, and uh, for other uh, reasons. And so, you know, this isn't just something that we think is a good idea. This is something that we've put to the test many, many times over. And so it'd be fun to kind of give you guys a glimpse into how we've made it happen uh, in some places that we found ourselves. Workouts and just random nonsense from a life of traveling. <laughs> <laughs> yes, do, do exactly. Give, do you give some people a sense of how much you know you have traveled that you are putting your money where your mouth is? Do you give any idea of rough number of trips? I mean, ballpark-ish? I don't, but I'll tell you, it was a 10-year period. I, I started traveling really hard at the end of 2007, beginning of 2008, and I came off the road in 2018. And so in that period of time, it was not uncommon for me to be on the road three out of seven days a week, roughly 40 to 45 weeks out of the year. Mm -hmm. So it was a pretty, pretty constant schedule of not being at home and having to figure it out. Yeah. So, and, and same, you know, my time with CrossFit was, I think, about, about 200 seminars, probably over the course of four years. So that's 50 weekends a year for four years yep. in a row. And then prior to that, uh, you know, I was in the military, we deploy overseas. So I was living out of a trunk or a suitcase there. So that was seven or eight years there. So it was a good solid 12 plus years of just being on the road. There was an interesting time with my time with CrossFit, because let's say that there wasn't a seminar um, on Christmas or New Year's or something like that. You know, that last, you know, they get to travel like 50 weekends a year. But there had been like two years in a row that I hadn't been home for, I think, 16 days in a row, like an actual 16 day window because there was another weekend popped up and you'd hop on a plane and go oh, somewhere. Wow. And yeah. so it was so when we say we, you know, I don't know about you, but for the longest time, my I would travel as light as possible. I didn't want to check a yep. bag. Me obviously. too. Me not too. Rookie, two kinds not, of baggage. Not look at, not look at, two, not two kinds of baggage. There's carry on and there's lost. <laughs> exactly. It would, it would, I'm already on a tangent, but you know, I just try to make it in just a, like a backpack rucksack kind of a thing, and yep. uh, that never got unpacked. You know, there were some things right. in there that stayed, like the laundry would get out and wash, but there were some items that never got unpacked yeah. because I knew four days later I was it, wrapping it, was right it again in. to walk out the door. And it just I, I had exactly the same situation, very similar setup. It was, uh, you know, all of the essentials were just, it was, that was a permanent fixture. And then, yep, there was a swap out on the laundry and then you're good to go again. It and saves how, time and everybody's. And how infuriating well, was it when, when you travel somewhere and maybe meet somebody in a various airport, you linked up somewhere with the crew and you're going to go somewhere and, you, and you're getting ready to like walk out and go to the rental car place. And somebody's like, I checked the bag. You're like, you checked the, <laughs> the bag. <laughs> What? Oh, absolutely. It's, you know, it's funny now when I have the odd travel, because uh, I travel way less frequently than I used to. 
I, my habits have slipped, Pat. I gotta say, I'm much less disciplined than I used to be around such things. And these days, it's a, it's a very different story. But my past self would have laughed at me. But hey, what are you mm -hmm. gonna do? I, I also say though, one time I did try to uh, carry on a kettlebell in my backpack, and uh, amazing. I asked very directly at uh, check-in, "Hey, what's the weight limit on my backpack?" And the lady looked me dead in the eyeballs, and she said, "If you can carry it on." You can uh, you can do it, and I said, oh, <laughs> "Challenge accepted." <laughs> the uh, the security agent uh, had a different idea when I went through the uh, the scan, but you know you got to. Did try. they let you keep it? Did you take it on the plane? <laughs> I had to check it. <laughs> oh man, you know I guess while we're yeah. on it, we haven't get to the workouts yet. But for traveling, I'm sure there's plenty of people that are road warriors with their occupation oh, yeah. who, who listen to this absolutely what you know did you have some travel essentials that made your life on the plane or wherever a little bit nicer you know i have to say i wasn't and still i'm not like really a gear guy like i know some people really love the little gadgets and the little things that, that kind of accentuate um you know life on the road or, or whatever i never really was the thing that I, it's kind of a non-negotiable for me is a decent set of headphones. Um, you know, that is really important when you're on the plane, being able to tune things out. And uh, I'm a big music nerd as well. So that that was probably the one thing because I always had to have a high quality set of headphones. But beyond that, I really was pretty minimalist in a lot of that stuff. Looking back, I probably could have saved myself some headaches by being a little bit more forward thinking around that. But that's just not the way it was. I would call noise canceling headphones mission critical. Huge, huge. I mean, yeah. mission critical. I, I would have yep. that always ready. I would have the eye cover just in case it was a super long okay. flight and they weren't going to kill the lights or whatever. I would have ear plugs, like actual foam ear plugs, just in case the hotel was next yep. to a highway or just uh, my nightmare situation every now and then you'd get wherever it is that you're going, Jacksonville, Florida, you know, Perth, Australia, you name it. And you pull up to the hotel and I see in front of the hotel, like a huge college traveling bus. And I'm like, <laughs> oh no, there's like a field hockey or a lacrosse team Perfect. at the same hotel. There's like 45 college athletes staying here. No one's sleeping tonight. It's going to be miserable with people running up and down the hallways. You had to be prepared. You just had to be prepared for that kind of a situation. Mm. Yeah. Oh, for sure. And, you know, it's funny you uh, mentioned Perth and Jacksonville. I've got stories about both of those places. Uh, one of them, actually, Perth was on my list. But Jacksonville, Florida, I met Ronnie Coleman in the uh, Jacksonville <laughs> really? airport. Uh, <laughs> yep. Just happened to be there. And uh, I spotted him and got a picture with him. He signed my workout log at the time. It was pretty awesome. It was probably 2009. But, I don't. Uh, I don't yeah. want to go off on yet another tangent, but isn't he the gentleman? There was a documentary done. Yes, recently. On him. Yeah. I, I watched that. It's phenomenal. If people haven't seen it, they yeah. should watch it. It's, it's. He's in rough shape these days. Yeah, so put his um, body through a lot. Yeah. Yeah. Um, interesting. You know, when I would show up to the hotel and see like the tour bus in front of the hotel, the college tour bus, I remember I would just walk in, probably with just an unflattering look on my face to check in because I knew I wasn't going to have a great night. Uh, and the person's all chipper checking me in. And all I would say is, you know, especially because you traveled a lot, you might, you have re rewards through the roof and, you know, and you're going to get this nice room near the whatever. And that's like, look, you know, I don't, I don't 
care about the nice room. Do you know where these people are staying? Can you put me as <laughs> far away in the hotel, away from them? I don't care if it's the cheapest, worst room in the yeah. hotel. If it's quiet, Could be a broom closet. please put me there. Yeah. And, uh, that, would, uh, that would treat me very, very well. Well, I'll tell you, one of our mutual friends, I'll, I'll keep him anonymous, but he, one of the things that was non-negotiable for him was electrical tape, black electrical tape, because oh, he was one okay. of these people that needed a pitch black room. And so he would spend the first, you know, half hour, 45 minutes after he checked into his room, taking this electrical tape, putting it over the smoke detector, the little beeping light or a blinking light that's gone, the keyhole or the uh, peephole into the hotel door, any sort of crack or crevice that he could, uh, you know, get away with masking over so that he had this cave of a hotel room. He would do that. That was his, his ritual. The reason I would, joke, we're like, man, I would take a, a towel out of the bathroom yeah. and roll it up and the throw door it crack. right where the door meets the floor. Cause usually I would do that you know, too. Yep. Yeah. The hallway light stays on all night and there's like a half yep. inch gap under there and it'd be like a spotlight coming through the room. Yes. Yep. I would do that too. Or were the, uh, you know, the day's pants that I, I knew I wasn't going to rewear them. They were dirty at that point. I'd, I'd roll them up and put them on the floor and, and use them for that purpose. And if you so were they, there for a couple nights, which you probably were the first night was hit or miss whether or not you got the thermostat figured out. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Hands it was either down. way too hot in the middle of the night or freezing cold. And then yeah. you had it dialed in a little bit for this night number two. You're like, OK, this is this is right where it should be. Can you sleep on planes? I can sleep anywhere. Oh, I can fall asleep right now. <laughs> I'm, I'm one of those lucky few. So I, jealous. <laughs> I have no problem oh. sleeping anywhere at any time. So, I consider yeah, that a superpower, go. man. I, yep. That is I'm so just, I cannot sleep on planes and as many planes as I've been on on my life. I mean, I don't care yeah. how long the plane is. If it's uh, 16 hours to Australia, I might conk out for three, but I'm going to be up for 13. Like it just, yeah, I can't do it. Uh, I'm so, I'm so jealous of people like you that can sleep on planes. Oh my I'm, goodness. I'm rarely awake for takeoff. It's it's rare that I see the the plane actually leave the tarmac. <laughs> oh my goodness! Well, let's say let's say that you okay. Let's take the Australia trip. And by the way, Oof, you made my life miserable for longer than it needed to be. Me, uh, early, yeah, you specifically, yeah. In, oh, in, in my in my uh, career on the level one staff, because when we first started punching out to various regions, uh, I did so many trips to Australia, and I remember like having a conversation with my boss at the time, who I believe was Nicole. And she said something along the lines like, you know, Boz is still working on some dual stuff. Like he can't, he can't oh, do right. those. He can't do those trips yet. So you have to go oh, again to Australia. Right. And, and if anyone listening is like, well, who doesn't want to go to Australia? Beautiful country. Oof. Fantastic. Absolutely. People love it. But we would go to Australia for the weekend. So I yes, would go from like Virginia on the East Coast to Australia for the weekend and then yeah, fly back rough. home to Virginia. It wasn't a two week trip to Australia. And, you know, it takes you a week to recover from that trip. And then if three weeks later, they're like, oh, by the way, there's another gig in Australia. And I'm like, oh no, that was <laughs> grueling. They're like, sorry, Adrian can't uh, go yet. 
<laughs> yeah, I had. A, I think it was. I think that was around 2010 where I had um, my immigration status was changing. Yes. Yes. And while the paperwork was being processed, my immigration attorney advised me not to leave the country because if I did, uh, if I had somebody at the at the border that wanted to be a real pain in the butt about it, they could have said, "Hey, look, you know, your paperwork isn't processed yet. We can detain you at the border." unlikely to happen, but it could right. have happened. And so on my immigration attorney's advice, it was like, now nah, you should stay home until this clears. So oh, like, okay. I, re I remember <laughs> I did six, six to 10 good quick trips to Australia and one oh. of them to Perth, which I didn't. Yeah. Oof, that's I did several trips to Australia and I just didn't realize how big the continent was. Sorry, I'm just an, oh, ignorant, huge, yeah. an ignorant American. So I land in Sydney, you know, exhausted from this miserable flight that I did not sleep on. And I'm yeah. like, oh, Good, thank goodness. And I kind of look, I just knew I had another flight, figured it was a short connecting flight to wherever this Perth place was. And I look up and I'm like, five and a half hours? The next oh, flight's five hours? What? That's San Francisco to LA. It's the equivalent, basically. And it, and it, I, it broke my morale. I believe that Perth is the most isolated first world city in the world. Mm. Don't quote me on that, but I'm pretty sure I have read that in in a couple of places where, it, you know, if you put it on a map and you uh, try to get to another city of that size, uh, it is as far out as you can go. Beautiful so, coast. I mean, gorgeous, yeah, gorgeous sure. place. But talk about a grass curse in your name. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> oh, man, I'm glad you can get that off your chest. How many years later now? 10, 12 uh, years later? I forgot. Oh, that's great. Well, when you when you land somewhere crazy, wildly different time zone, whether it's, you know, Denmark, Spain, wherever, do you, as soon as you sit, as soon as you land, go, I am now accepting local yes. time? Or do you, you say, I'm to. only here two days, I'm still no. on San Fran time? The, the time on your watch is the time of day, and you have to act as if. if you, local time. Absolutely. If you show up and you're like, well, I'm still on my own internal clock, and I should probably take a nap right now. No, you're, that you're done. You're doomed. You, you're doomed. Absolutely. You have to power through that first day. Agreed. is critical. You have to power through that first day. It's uncomfortable. It's, it's unpleasant. <laughs> it's but awful. you got to get up. You cannot, you cannot succumb to that. It's, uh, I have fallen asleep. I remember this vividly. I flew to Barcelona. This was 2013 or 14. And I arrived, uh, I can't remember how I connected. But I arrived and it was roughly late morning, kind of midday, almost lunchtime. And so, okay, I got to the hotel, I checked in, went and had a bite to eat, and I forced myself to walk around the city for hours. Yep. Because I knew that if I went and sat back in the hotel, I would be lights out and then I'd be up in the middle of the night and it would never happen. And so I'm walking around the city. I remember I was in this beautiful um uh, uh, kind of greenway between these two major streets in the city, a very walkable city. If you've never been to Barcelona, it's beautiful. Or at least it was back then. I'm, I'm sure it still is. Uh, and I was on this lovely drive and I just sat down for a second on a park bench and nodded off in the middle of the park <laughs> bench. Didn't know anybody. I'd never been there before. And, and one of the participants, uh, we were doing a level two, I didn't know him at the time, but he recognized me and he's like, hey, I think this is one of the instructors. He came and woke that's me up. That's a riot. <laughs> yeah. So anyway, oh, that's good a times, riot. But yeah, I remember yeah. Australia was always terrible. I mean, yeah. and I'd be a walking dead zombie and I'm right there with you. I have to accept Gotta local time it. or it's have a to. suicide mission. Yeah. And I remember specifically a trip with a 
a group of trainers. I remember one to Sweden and one to Copenhagen that for whatever reason, it was every fiber of my being like to just keep my eyelids open. I was dying. It was like 4 p.m., like that witching yeah, hour. Yeah. So yeah. I'm like, I got to make it to at least 8.30 at night. Like at least, and it seemed like a marathon, an absolute <laughs> marathon, but you you have to, you have to do it. I remember, here's a crazy thing, a crazy travel story uh, I had. And maybe you can well, give I got, me- I got a karmic payback for those Australia trips too. So you, you go okay. first and then I'll tell you, this will make you feel a little better about them. This was a great one. And maybe times have changed. I'm not you know, throwing yeah. anybody under the bus, but this one I was like, you know what? This is an interesting job. I remember there was a seminar that I did and it was in um, Lima, Peru. Okay. And so I was going to meet um, a couple of trainers down there, various places would link up in the hotel the next day. But I got my passport, fly down, land in, um, I land in, in Lima. Oh, and it was, I'm sorry, I landed in Lima. The seminar was in a place called Miraflores, which is not, not in Lima. And I get there, you know, find my way to the rental car place. You know, I rented a car. I'm driving around Lima. It's like 11 p.m. Um, as soon as I get there, just whatever half of my phone wouldn't work. GPS in my phone wouldn't work. And the GPS in the car wasn't an option. It wasn't working as well. So I had no navigational aids whatsoever. And I'm at least, you know, 90 minutes away from where I actually have to be. And it's 11 p.m. in Lima, Peru, and I'm all by myself. And I was like, well, I actually remember that I had um, been to Miraflores, where this place was, in my previous time in the military, in the Navy, believe it or not. And I remember that it was on the coast. I remember it was on the coast. And I remember that it was south from my position. And so I (laughs) asked somebody, I'm like, which way is the ocean? And they said, like, the ocean's that way. So I just drove in the dark with no navigational aids or communication until I hit the ocean. Then I took a left. And just, kept, and I'm like, I know <laughs> I'll awesome. eventually, I don't know how far it is, but I will eventually <laughs> there. recognize, I hope I recognize Miraflores, but I haven't been there in eight or nine years, but I think I'll recognize it because it's a beautiful area on the side sure. of like a cliff. And lo and behold, going, going, going. And, and I, so I see some lights and, and that was it and found it in the middle of nowhere and slept in the hotel and did the seminar the next day. And I was like, you know what? This is a bizarre occupation. Really cool. It's really interesting, but it's a little unusual. <laughs> oh, so good. Yep, absolutely. Yeah, well, make it happen, uh, man. I got to make it happen. That's right. There's plenty of that. So I had a very rough travel schedule one time where I went to Australia, flew to, so I left my house on the West Coast of, of the United States uh, on a Wednesday, fly over the Dateline, arrive on a Friday morning because you lose the day mm-hmm. in travel. Um, had the day to acclimate, seminar Saturday, Sunday, fly out first thing in the morning, Monday, travel back in time over the dateline and arrive Monday morning, approximately the same time that you leave. No problem. Back at my house, feeling pretty good. Seminar was a success. Tuesday comes around and I get a call from uh, your friend of mine, one Dave Castro. Mm -hmm. And he says, hey, Boz, we had somebody drop. Yeah, (laughs) we had somebody drop uh, at a seminar in Copenhagen can you be on the next flight out to Copenhagen like tomorrow morning? And I said, sure, no problem. Oh. And so I had bounced within the span of one week, I'd bounced to Sydney, Australia and back. And then I was hopping on a plane to Copenhagen to do another weekend seminar. So I went to Copenhagen, oh. same basic schedule, leave, leave on a Wednesday or a Thursday, I can't remember, 
had a day to acclimate, couple days in Copenhagen, first thing out Monday morning back home. And so it was, that was the worst travel and jet lag I think I've ever experienced. It was pretty and bad. And then the interesting thing, you know, it just, it is what it is. Talking about presence and attitude is, doesn't matter what the jet lag is. It doesn't matter oh, you how got, tired yeah, you, you are. When do the job. Saturday morning kicks off and it's mm -hmm. 9 a.m. and the first lecture kicks off, you've got to be on. Yep, absolutely. On. Nobody cares yep. that you're tired. Nobody cares you didn't sleep and you're on a weird time zone. You got to be sharp. Well, let's let's put a couple of workouts out there because I think this is good. I, no, it's good. <laughs> I love going down this memory lane. But let, let, let me start in Perth and say that when I was in Perth, probably last time I was in Perth, we had a Monday flight and we got up Monday morning. There was three of us. I remember it was Doug Armstrong, Matt Swift, and myself. And uh, we decided we were going to do a little hotel workout before we went to the airport because, as you said, that flight from Perth, we were going back to uh, Sydney. Mm -hmm. It's about a five and a half hour, six hour flight. So we're like, all right, we better get something in because we're going to lose the day in transit. So got up, go to the hotel, nothing really there, but there is an ERG, a C2 rower. Really? We're like, oh, good news. That was pretty much it. It was a small room, you know, probably half the size of my garage with one ERG and that was about it. And that, at least that's what I remember. And uh, so, okay, what are we going to do? Well, we just set the clock. And I believe it was for 15 minutes. And the workout was really simple. It was 135 pace. And anytime you fall below a 135 oh. pace, the next guy's in. Mm. And so you just get on there and you pull until you had enough. When it hits 136 or higher, next guy's in. I and I'll I'd tell be, you, I'd the be first, on there about 11 seconds. The first couple rounds weren't so bad, but as everybody started to fatigue and it became harder and harder to get that pace, oh, the last five or six minutes oh. of that workout were just brutal, just That's brutal and awful and cool. Uh, yeah, and it was a it was a five minute conversation to come up with this thing. A quick warm up, we hit it, we showered up, we hit the airport, and we we definitely felt like we had had enough. Well, that workout is indicative of several things. Number one, if you can if you can discuss what that workout's going to be. Everyone immediately understands why it's going to be effective. It means they have a very high level and sophisticated understanding of strength and conditioning. And then the second part is for them all of it to agree means you're hanging out with psychopaths. <laughs> yeah. Oh man, I felt bad for them because they were a lot fitter than me. They probably still are. And so, you know, I was definitely not doing them any favors with uh, the amount of rest they were getting while I was working. <laughs> That's for oh. sure. You know, this one is nowhere near. It doesn't have the sting of that. But this is one I've done several times uh, in hotels. Really, all you need is ideally you have a dumbbell and a pull up bar. And the pull up bar is usually not like a dedicated pull up bar, but it's on part of like a butterfly or a cable crossover, like something like that. And I've done this a couple of times actually with Joe Westerlin. And you go in and it's just 10 down to one, you go, I go style of a burpee. You do 10, I do 10. So it's this work rest interval. So we go down to one. What that, what's that give you? 50 something, 54 burpees? 55. 55 burpees. Mm -hmm. that's, that's part of the workout. Also, you're kind of warmed up now. You break out the one, like a 50 pound dumbbell. You do 10 power snatches, I do 10. We go down to one. And so now we've got in 55 of those. And then it ends with 55 strict pull-ups, 10 down to one, oh, each I love person. It. So it's burpee, That's dumbbell great. power snatch, strict pull-up, 10 down to one, you go, I go. It's 
fantastic. It doesn't take super long. It's, you know, you get your pacing already set out and yep. it, it accomplishes everything that you need to do. It's, I love it. And I can't take credit for it. He exposed that to me and then I've always just kind of kept it in my toolbox for the future. Yeah, that's a great, great one. I like that. And that's not a real barn burner on time either. Nope. I mean, you can knock that out in a pretty quick session. Yep. You know, you got, you got 30 minutes to get in, get warmed up, get that knocked out. You're, you know, you're good to go. You're not that's shortchanged a, at all. No. Yeah. Yep. That's a, that's a great jet lag workout. I love that. Um, well, I, I'll continue my theme. My, my theme was not a lot of time, not a lot of equipment one of the nastiest workouts I've ever done. That row workout was terrible. This other one is a, an, another one that was equally as terrible. We were in Russia at the time in Moscow. This was uh, myself, James Hobart, and Austin Maliolo. So, you know, again, I'm stuck with these people that are way fitter than me, but I'm, right. I'm willing to take a crack at that. We didn't have a lot of time. It was after the seminar. Uh, I think same same situation. We uh, were leaving. It was a Sunday night, and we had to move to a secondary hotel so that we could be at the airport early enough in the morning to catch like really ridiculously early flights. Mm -hmm. So okay, no fitness opportunity tomorrow. Might as well get something in tonight. Uh, we don't have a lot of time. Cool. There's a barbell already loaded to one thirty-five. What can we do? Well, no problem. We're just going to take three at bats. So to speak, we're going to get warmed up and it was three at bats, same deal, one person working and it was just max thrusters at 135 times three. Ooh. So you hop on the bar, you hang on to as many reps as you can crank out. When you've had enough, you put it down, next guy's in, you get the rest for those uh, two sets, three max sets at 135 and it was plenty. Oh, plenty. I, I bet. Oh, that's, yeah, that'll do. That's awful. Uh, yep. Another one I would go to regularly in a hotel, and this also has to be if they have dumbbells. And this was, I can't remember where we were, but it was one of those deals. And we've covered kind of this on a previous show where I had to go in and do it immediately or I was going to find a reason to blow it off. And so yep. hotel room, change into the workout clothes, immediately walk into the gym, grab the 50 pound dumbbells and just do 100 dumbbell burpees. That's it. Oh. You know, like in, the, in a case anyone doesn't know what that is, no, you don't clap your hands over the head with the dumbbells. It's just, uh. you know, the dumbbells are on the ground. You kick your legs back. You do a push-up. You jump your feet back to your hands. And then you basically do a dumbbell deadlift. You stand all the way up. That's one rep. I do 100 of those. You get in 100 burpees. There's a huge metabolic hit, but you also get in 100 dumbbell deadlifts. The tax is the grip. I mean, it's just super simple, minimal warm-up or no warm-up in many of my cases they're required. And I never again felt shortchanged, and it doesn't take super long. Yeah, that's a good one. Wow, that's whew, man. Well, and the theme here, I think, is each one of these is is very simple. There's not a lot of bells and whistles to it, but once you come around the bend on it, you think, okay, mm -hmm. that was enough. I don't, I don't need more uh, <laughs> for the day. Well, that's good. Uh, I'll, I'll say one that we did do that was uh, using our fitness uh, in a more untraditional way. And this was the opposite of short time frame and, um, you know, needed to be somewhere else. This was the host of our seminar who wanted to take us on a hike. And this was in Switzerland. So Saturday night after the seminar uh, had wrapped up, we had a little social. They, they were nice enough to host a barbecue at the gym. 
And then once the barbecue had kind of died off, it was, hey, let's, let's go for this hike. And we're thinking, okay, it's kind of spring, summertime in Switzerland. It's a beautiful evening, you know, perfect weather. And uh, we said, well, where's the trailhead? And our host just looked at us and said, no, we're just, uh, we're just going. And we literally walked out of the city of Basel, Switzerland, up the nearest hill, got to some place. I don't know that our host uh, knew pre precisely where he was going. We ended up on the top of a mountain, not sure how we were going to get back. That's awesome. And, and uh, it was nighttime at that point, like pitch black. And we ended up running a couple of K down the backside of the mountain to this bus stop uh, before the last bus left. And the bus ended up taking us back into town and depositing us. <laughs> Otherwise, it would have been a much longer night. But that was one of those uh, great opportunities of, hey, I don't know how long we're going to go. I don't know what the terrain's going to be like. I don't know what the, uh, the task is specifically. But hey, my fitness is up to the task. I'm going to say yes, let's go. That reminds me of a similar thing I had happen on the motorcycle trip that I did with Ian back in 2013. <sighs> uh, this is going to kill me. I'm sorry. I can't remember exactly where we were, but it was in Central America. It was either like Honduras, Nicaragua, Guatemala, somewhere right around there. But we were with a local host hooking us up. We drove to this beautiful like rainforest area, the hilly terrain. We were just going to go for a run. Every CrossFitter's nightmare, right? Like, I was going to go for a run. They were big into running. And of course, you know, Ian and I are like, you know, we're on motorcycles. Most, most of the time, our fitness is hurting a bit. And we're like, I just out of total curiosity, like, how far are we going? They're like, eh, no one knows. You're like, just, you know, we'll see. We'll see. Are you in or are and I was you like, out? Oh, no. And it, exactly. And it couldn't, like, you know, yeah. say no. And so we did it. And, we, and it was hilly and long and grueling and didn't know where the stop was. And then Ian, had to have a camera with him. Oh, wow. Because yeah, he had to do some filming. The, so he uh, took, you know, a small, yep. like, a smaller one. But I didn't have anything and I was dying. And there's Ian with a camera and, like, sprinting ahead to, like, try to get some shots. And I was like, I don't know how you're doing this. You're obviously way more of a beast than I am. But, but yeah, man, some, some good, some fun workouts and some crazy places and uh, a lot of memories for sure. No doubt about Absolutely. it. Absolutely. Well, and I'm, you know, we should, I could riff on this for a long time, but, uh, you know, I'll, if I'm perfectly honest, I do have to wrap it up a little bit right now, but maybe we revisit this because I do have a lot Tales of, from the uh, road. yes, a lot of stories about, uh, you know, okay, found equipment or circumstantial fitness. And I think it's important, um, that you can engage with that. And, and that, to me, again, is one of the most attractive things about being generally fit is that you can say yes. Wherever you find yourself, whatever it is that's put in front of you, you can say, yeah, I th let's give it a shot. Yep. <laughs> let's and, uh, go. I'll, I'll leave on this very short one, not, not even to okay. delay you. If I go to a hotel, they've got nothing but a classic treadmill, no dumbbells, no nothing. I'll do that old main site workout, four rounds for time, 400 meter run, 50 air squats. Oh yeah, that's Done. a good one. Or the Hotel Helen was a, was always a, a popular choice. 400 on the treadmill, uh, dumbbell swings if there happened to be a dumbbell, and then push-ups, double the yeah. push-ups instead of uh, pull-up if you didn't have a place to do pull-ups, and it was plenty. It's great. Mission mission accomplished. Well, glad I got to air some of my dirty laundry about how you screwed me over <laughs> all those years ago in Australia. <laughs> I'm not sorry. <laughs> and, uh, we'll, we'll have to do this again. Uh, yeah. Always, always a good time. I'm sure there's a bunch of people again, road warriors. We want to hear your stories in the comments below. What are your go-to workouts? Uh, what do you take as your have-to-have travel kit that makes your life better? 
If you have an idea for a future show, please post it in the comments. We always read that on the BTWB YouTube channel under this particular episode. For Adrian Bosman, I'm Pat Sherwood, and we will see you next time.